This message is brought to you by DoNotAge.org, the longevity research organisation that's on a mission to extend health span for as many people as possible via products that actually work. Start your journey today at DoNotAge.org and use code LAMA for a 10% discount. That's L-L-A-M-A. The minute I jumped that fire, I couldn't wait to do it again. It was such an exhilarating experience. It was a feeling of accomplishment. And I think at any age it would be, but certainly at 66, I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm capable of doing this. Hello and welcome to the Live Long and Master Aging podcast. We call it Llama. I'm Peter Bowes. This is where we explore the science and stories behind human longevity. Well, today we're continuing our mini-series of interviews talking to older athletes who've achieved remarkable success, indeed life-changing results through exercise. Now, when I talked to Joe DeSena, founder of the Spartan Race, recently we discussed the extraordinary potential that intense exercise exercise has to change people's lives and I mentioned that there was a healthy group of older Spartans at my gym results fitness in New Hall in California living the Spartan life so today I'm with Mark Figuero who's 68 years old he's completed two Spartan races and other endurance events and despite facing some very serious health challenges over the past decade he says he is now in the best shape that he's been for 30 years. Mark, it's great to see you. Thank you for having me. Best shape for 30 years? Absolutely. Especially since joining Results, it's just really changed my life so dramatically. Mental clarity, physical fitness, things I can do that I have to remind myself I can do them. They don't just think, oh, you're 68, can't do this. Oh, yes, I can. And it's just exciting. And, and, you know, a few years ago, I was thinking, hey, if I make it to 80, I'll, I'll do do well. Now I'm ready to go to 100. I like to hear that. And I don't see why not. So we'll talk a, a bit more about the gym experience and what it's done for you in a second. But I'd like to get to know you a little bit and talk about your life. And I mentioned that you've gone through some pretty serious challenges health-wise over the last decade. Can you talk us through, maybe let's start with when you were a young boy. Were you active? Did you work out? Did health mean anything to you when you were growing up? Actually, it did. I was eight years old when my father passed away. He was 42 years old. He was a contractor. And in the 50s, contractor's diet was coffee, cigarettes, beer, donuts. And uh, he had been having pain in his arm. Nobody could diagnose it. It turned out to be a blood clot. Moved to his heart. And uh, I went to bed with a dad and woke up without one. So that was the first thing that really impacted me that I, I... didn't want to do that to my children. So health has always been important to me. Obviously, as I've gotten older and gone through the issues we'll talk about, it's become much more important. Obviously, at that young age, are we really too young to understand in terms of the health implications of, of how your dad died? So it just must have left you, I mean, how did it leave you in terms of how you reconciled what had happened and that you were, or as you say, all of a sudden, overnight, left without a father. And remember, the 50s, it was pretty much, you know, Ozzy and Harriet, everybody had a mother and father. It wasn't single-parent households. So it was very tough uh, growing up with a dad. I mean, to the point that I was ready for my mom to marry anybody just so I had a dad, and that wasn't too appealing to her, but I just wanted a dad. So So that has stayed with you. That memory has stayed with you. At, At what age were you when you started to think, well, maybe I should think about my own 
health and my own lifestyle? I think even in, in my 20s, because uh, they were finding out, you know, they started finding out, okay, cigarettes obviously aren't healthy. And, you know, things that in the 50s when my dad was doing all this, there wasn't the acknowledgement or awareness of how devastating these type of things were to your health. So as more and more information got out there, I became more careful, not to the point even close of where I'm at now, but as I've gotten older. Uh, but, you know, the incident about 10 years ago is what really change things we'll get to that in a second but just to on on your father the, the lifestyle you you kind of talked about it as being a, a typical cigarettes and beer kind of lifestyle there's no uncertainty as to why he died i mean it was clearly a lifestyle related death yeah and and you know and now we look at that in horror but again in the 50s it was the contractor's diet i mean even when the the trucks would show up they did you know now they show up they've got salads and all these kind of healthy foods they had Coke and, you know, burgers and fries and, you know, chips and things like that on them back then. So you mentioned 10 years ago, for you, there was a, a life-changing event. Just talk us through what happened. Yes, and uh, I, was, I was having chest pains, uh, but I was kind of attributing it to anxiety, stress. What triggered me to get it checked out was when Tim Russert suddenly passed. And so I thought, okay could happen to me too. So I Tim, got Tim Russert, for anyone listening around the world, was a well-known television political interviewer and quite literally just dropped dead Correct. overnight. It was very sudden. So I got checked out and it turned out uh, that what they call the Widowmaker was, was heavily blocked and saw a couple of uh, top cardiologists both said, you know, you need stents and, and drugs to or you're going to die. The Widowmaker being an artery. The left coronary artery, correct. Oh. And so it's not a real good thing to have blocked, shall we say. So um, I, my oldest son at the time was, was into uh, more holistic health care. And I'd had, my best friend had nothing but problems with his stents, so I just thought, that's eh, not really the way I want to go. And my son took me down to San Diego and introduced me to a doctor down there who basically said, if you will do what I tell you, diet-wise, supplements-wise, uh, he said, it'll take about 13 months, but your body will bypass that blockage. What did your other doctor say about that, the doctor that had recommended the stent? They thought I was crazy. They literally, and, you know, so we made this as a family decision, and realizing, I said, well, you know, we have a lot of family members in healthcare and good friends in healthcare." And I told my wife, you're never going to hear the end of this if I die. So are you prepared for this? Because this is, this is what I would like to do. I'm just not one to go with you know, conventional medicine. And what, in terms of your original doctor who recommends the stent, who says, if you don't do this, you're going to die, what was his view of your course of action? I was nuts. So, and did he explain? Did he say, look, if you do X, Y, and Z, as you're planning to do, purely diet and, and presumably exercise related? I didn't go back to them... So once I started this treatment, I, I didn't go back and, and discuss it with them. So the, it, it was, uh, as far as you were concerned, this is the direction I'm going to take, and there's no turning back. Correct. Right. Okay. So what did you do? So like I said, it dramatically changed my diet, took a, a lot of different supplements to aid in, in you know, this bypass, because obviously I wasn't going to clear it. And the most, I think the most interesting thing is about five or six years ago, I found a local cardiologist up here 
who also was, you know, in the Eastern medicine. So she got my records from back then, and she said, I apologize for my colleagues, but based on what I see, had you done the stent, it would have killed you. Your body had already started bypassing, and that's why you were still alive. And uh, she goes, that would have collapsed all of that young infrastructure in my body. So it turned out I, I made the right choice, and, and certainly glad I did. And of course, you, you can never go back. There's, there's, there's always going to be a, a what if scenario, mm-hmm. and and in many respects, I think your policy of not looking back and moving forward is is probably a good one because you can't you can't reverse decisions. You've got to move forward. So just explain to me in terms of especially diet, what did you do? How did you change things? All organic, um, and again, it's kind of evolved. Uh, over time based on you know changes in me and in my lifestyle uh to the point where now it, it's all organic I, I do probably 90 percent of the cooking at home i love cooking is my passion i love to cook so I, you know i'm not eating cardboard i'm eating really tasty food but uh very high on on you know the healthy fats avocado coconut oil stuff like that very low carb um, medium on the protein. Obviously, I work out five days a week, so I've got to get the protein in. But um, very carefully choose what I eat. Not to the point that if I'm at a restaurant or I'm at somebody's house, I'm, I'm not going to eat. I, I, you know, I know people that won't eat if there's somebody someplace out. I won't do that. I'll still eat occasionally. I have a drink, but for the most part, really, really carefully choose my diet so are there any food groups that you leave out are you uh, do you continue to eat meat or are you a vegan or vegetarian oh gosh no i, I personally i think vegan is a, is a bad way to go so i definitely eat meat but again i don't eat the adulterated meat that you get at the grocery store i get it from the midwest it's grass-fed never grained and very very lean same thing you know i get wild-caught salmon from alaska flown in you know fresh so it, it's really high quality products stay, stay away from gmos and you know any any kind of product that's sprayed adulterated uh not what it's originally intended to be so that was the that was the key change that you made 10 years ago when you were facing this acute situation to simply go for the cleanest food you could find you didn't dramatically change the style of your diet it was the quality of the foods no the style changed too so, you know, I grew up as everybody did, you know, have your oatmeal or your grains in the morning. And, you know, I had acid reflux and I kept saying, oh, it's milk. Let's try almond milk and all this stuff. And it turned out to be the grains that were causing me the grief and uh, not the things I thought. And, you know, the one thing I've noticed since my lifestyle change is no more acid reflux. Mm. So I'm on no meds. I'm 68 years old and take no meds. Which is remarkable and unusual these days. So how quickly did you feel, this is going back 10 years ago when you had that acute heart situation, how quickly did you feel better? And we'll continue this conversation in just a moment. Hey, quick question for you. Are you someone who wants to be fit, healthy, and happy? And what if I told you you could get your dream body by simply just listening to a podcast? I'm Josh. And I'm KG, and we're the hosts of the Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast. Listen, we get it. Fitness isn't easy. Carbs, no carbs. Just stop, okay? It doesn't have to be that complicated. And that's why we made this podcast. We get straight to the facts so you can become your best you. So the way to check us out is click the link in the show notes or search Fit, Healthy, and Happy podcast on any of the major podcast platforms. We'll see you soon. 
it was it was a gradual change, but you know probably over six months to a year before you know probably a year out or a little over a year where I really felt I I wasn't in the danger zone anymore. Did further checkups prove that there'd been clinical changes? Oh yeah, and the second the second thing we'll talk about if you want to go into that is I. Uh, my appendix burst. I was rushed to the hospital for emergency appendectomy. This is the second life-changing this event. This is the for same you. life, you know, in, in uh, 2010. So the, the heart issue was 28. So it was about a year and a half later. So because of my background with my heart, they brought a cardiologist in, and he goes, "Your heart's great. Your heart's doing fine." But after the surgery, and you know, lying around like you do, even though they put the things on your legs to so you don't get a clot, I got a pulmonary embolism. So that probably more than the heart came closer to checking me out. And I think what I'm grateful for is I didn't know how serious a pulmonary embolism could be because really you have 24 hours of, of critical. And so, you know, my poor wife came on a Monday to pick me up from the hospital and they're rushing me to ICU and she's like, what the heck's going on? So it was pretty traumatic for her. You know, I'm not looking in a mirror. I guess I was gray, so I looked, you know, and I found out you, you, you know when you're close to dying in the hospital when everybody comes visit you at all hours. If you're not that bad, they don't, especially at all hours, don't show up. You, you know you're in trouble when they show up like, in the middle of the night to see you. So. And it's interesting that that second checkup of your heart during that episode was, wasn't planned. You may not have known that your heart was in such a good condition had it not been for that appendix problem. Correct. But... The combination of the two was what finally said, okay, you need to start working out or you're going to die. And I've always hated working out, and it's just been a struggle. So I joined a private gym first and had a private trainer, did that for a year or so, and it just seemed to plateau. Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I could count on what I was going to do. It was always the same thing. So it was great at first, but then I just seemed to not be improving. So I joined another gym, and again, I never had the discipline to work out on my own, so I've always had a private trainer. And so, again, I just, you know, if I'd wake up with a sniffle, I'd say, ah, I'm sick, I better not go to the gym. And so then I started looking up on Yelp and researching and tried uh, results and absolutely has just dramatically changed my life. Now, when you say results, that's the name of the gym, Results Fitness. Results Fitness. Which is, and full disclosure here, this is the gym that I've been going to for the last 14 years or so. so that's it's, why you look so California. great. Well, I hope so. <laughs> I mean, I think it did clearly believe it is one of the reasons. Yeah, it's a combination of, of what I do at that gym and, and other stuff and paying attention to diet and just general lifestyle yeah. issues. So, and now up until this point in your life, turning 60, mid-60s, you hadn't seriously worked out at all, done any exercise? No. No sports? You avoided it? You hated it? No, I love sports, but I just, you but know. Doing it yourself? Um, I like watching it. Running a company and kids and grandkids, you know, just life got in the way. I mean, when I was, you know, younger. Which is a familiar story, isn't played it? Played softball and all that kind of stuff. I was active water skier, snow skier. But again, as the years went by and things got a little more hectic, those things went by the wayside. I'm just going to digress for a second. We'll talk about you, how you work out now for the past two years. But you mentioned work and life getting in the way. You are 68 years old. We're sitting here in your company. You're the CEO of this solar energy company. You're still clearly working at 68 years old. 
that must be a deliberate decision to want to keep working at this age. I love what I do. And, you know, when my kids were starting to think about jobs, I said, you're going to work a long time. Don't look for the money. Look for something you're passionate about. And I am very passionate about what I do. I love what I do. No thoughts of retirement. I I travel a lot. That That's, you know, cooking and travel are my, my two things I really enjoy doing, but I love what I do. I love helping people, and, and uh, I've got a great team here. I've got about 75, 80 people that work for me, and uh, I've got great partners, and so it's, uh, I'm, I'm very blessed. I'm very, it's, you know, not many people can work as many years as I've worked and, and enjoy it. And do you plan to keep on going? Oh, yes. Indefinitely? Probably. I like all the challenges, you know, it's not that it's not without stress. It certainly is when you have a company this size. But I like the challenges. I like what it does for me mentally. And I, I feel, and in, in this is, I've, I've been reflecting on, since I started work, working out, the mental clarity. You know, you think of working out as physical and you're stronger and stuff like that. But all of a sudden I said, really, I'm a lot clearer mentally there's a lot of things I track. You know, we're, we're doing 10, 11 jobs a week. There's just a lot of things to t- keep track of that I'm doing much more easily than I was before. I mean, that's probably in part because of the way that you eat and the way that you exercise. But obviously, you, you're continuously using your brain. You're exercising your brain by working. Exactly. So you work hard. You work, what, five or six days a week? Five to six. Yeah. How often do you work out? Five. How do you fit it in? So my day starts at, at four in the morning, typically. Uh, I get up. I do my bulletproof coffee. That's what I work out on. Ah, you're, you're a bulletproof with, guy. I am absolutely. And it's funny. I've never been a coffee drinker. And last September, we were in Europe for a month. And I went from not being a coffee drinker to a coffee snob. So I grind my own biodynamic coffee beans and you know make my coffee every morning and with the you know the bulletproof and uh that's what i work on and i found that and having i do apple cider vinegar two tablespoons at bedtime and i finally got rid of the belly fat that was you know i was working out i was in good shape but i still had the gut which was just driving me nuts and so, so how do you how do you take the vinegar i uh, just something else? In, in some water and then immediately, because it's very acidic, it's good for your gums and all that, but it's very acidic, so you want to immediately rinse, and then I brush my teeth. Yeah. But I found that the bullet, working out on the bulletproof and then the ACV at night uh, has really made a difference as far as the, the belly fat. And we've On this podcast, we've, I've been to Bulletproof Labs in Santa Monica, right next to the Bulletproof coffee place there. Uh, so we've talked a, a little bit about it, but just explain to anyone who, who doesn't know, yeah. what is in Bulletproof coffee? And do, do, you, do, you, do you buy it as Bulletproof coffee or I, do you make it yourself? I make it myself. So I just use, uh, you can use raw butter or ghee. I, I, I buy raw butter. And then I, I uh, add the MCT oil. I happen to get that from Mercola. You can also get it from Bulletproof, but I get it from Mercola. And so a tablespoon of that and a pat of raw butter and a freshly brewed cup of coffee is a great way to start the day. And is that all you have? That's all I have till after I work out. Then I come back and have my everything in the world in it, protein shake. So this is just after your 4 a.m. start. You start there with that coffee. Yeah. What time do you get to the gym? So I say I have my coffee, I do my devotions, and then head to the gym, get there at about 10 to 5, and work out for an hour, and then come back and have my uh, protein shake, get ready for work, and go to work. 
Now, you said you tried several gyms before you found one that suited you. What kind of gym experience motivates you? We're like a family. And so there's accountability. It's, it's not, you know, you go to a big gym and you don't show up, nobody notices. You don't show up at, at uh, results and somebody's saying, hey, where are you? What happened to you? Why weren't you here yesterday? And, and it's, it's an older group of people for the most part. There's, there's some youngsters in there, but for the most part, it's, it's 40 and up. And I have a great guy that I've just become good friends named Royce, who's 76, who took away my age excuse when um, a couple of years ago, uh, the, one of the trainers said, hey, Mark, I want you to run a Spartan race. And she got, I said, I'm like, you're out of your mind. I'm 66. She goes, Royce is 74, and he's done it before. So yeah. We're going to talk to Royce. Yeah, I know. And so, But he just absolutely took away my, this guy is just unbelievable, and took away my age excuse. So we push each other now. So we both said, you know, we're going to go to 100 and... So you mentioned a Spartan race, and your reaction was probably like a lot of people's reaction at a certain age. That, no, that can't be possibly for me. They, you know, they are tough, and they're designed to be tough. Whether you're doing the, the sprint distance or the, the longer distances, the hurdles, the obstacles, they are not easy, and they're not designed to be simple. you really got to push yourself. You, you get halfway through. I've done not a Spartan race, but similar obstacle races, and you sometimes wonder what you're doing, and <laughs> is this going to be the last time you'll do it? But then you get to the end of it, and you think, that's great, I want to do it again. Exactly. I mean, I'm going through this race going, oh, man, you are crazy. What in the world are you doing running a race like this? The minute I jumped that fire, I couldn't wait to do it again. It was such an exhilarating experience. It was a feeling of accomplishment. And I think at any age it would be, but it, it certainly at 66, I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm capable of doing this. And especially with your health background, just imagine the state you were in 10 years ago. And then here you are now doing something as, as extraordinary and as, as energetic as this. Yes. What does your family think? They support me. So uh, my oldest is definitely into health and stuff like that. Uh, my youngest son is just a beast. He's, he works out every day and, and eats really well for, you know, 22. Um, he doesn't have the vices to the degree. I mean, he'll still drink and party and go out with his friends, but for the most part, he really takes care of himself and, and looks looks the part. I mean, he's just a beast. <laughs> so they all support me. I'm trying to get them to race with me, but I haven't had any luck yet. So. Oh, that would be good. Yeah. Yeah. I think they have my two sons race with me. Team effort with the family. Yeah. And it's something motivating. I mean, it should be great for them, but there's something motivating in that, I'm sure, for you as well. Whether it's your family or it's guys like Royce or others at the gym, just to have that close-knit community. The sort of It's not always necessarily peer pressure. Sometimes it is peer pressure, as you say, if you don't turn up one day, where, yeah. where were you yesterday? But there's that kind of group feeling of achievement. And we just, you know, when, when you're in these races, you help one another. And somebody's struggling to get over a wall or something, you help. You stay behind. You're not pushing to be the fastest time. It, it's, it's the camaraderie and, and just the sheer pleasure of doing this as a team. So for anyone listening to this who maybe had your first reaction to doing a, a Spartan race, what would your advice be to them if they maybe are scared of it or feel that they physically can't cope with it or even mentally can't cope with it? What from what you have learned would you say to them? I would say, you know, you have to get in condition. You can't just go cold for most people, especially somebody, you know, 50 plus. You, you have to train. And again, results does an amazing job at preparing us for these races. So that's a whole separate class that we do on Saturdays and train for several weeks ahead of time on top of 
our normal workouts during the week. So this is additional training, learning to climb ropes, go over walls, you know, and with, with the Epic we carry a beer keg, you know, half full, you know, it's, it's heavy and they're just things you need to do. You can't just show up and, and try it. And so having proper training and, and so in part of that, then you're, you're, I think, mentally prepared as well. Nothing's surprising you. You've done most of these things, you know, in the training and you, and I think it's, it's a personality too. You have to have, I can do, you can't be a quitter and run a Spartan race. You have to have that mental tenacity to say, yeah, this hurts. I'd like to just run home and cry, but I'm going to finish this thing. And so, you know, you, you ha- I think you have to have that to complete it. But I, I've, I've just watched people that you look at and say, no way. And, you know, they complete this race. And you mentioned earlier that you're now looking at that number of 100. You're perhaps more ambitious about your own lifespan than you ever were because of how you're feeling and what you've managed to achieve when you think about if you think about your own longevity and your own lifespan or health span as i often prefer to describe it the number of healthy years that you have do you have goals do you have ambitions in that respect i started traveling about five years ago with the idea that i was running out of time where i could do travel and walk and do all the things you have to do and enjoy it because I've seen people traveling that I think how do you do this and how are you having a good time and now that time frame is is expanded I mean I, I was more nervous when I first started traveling that the window was pretty narrow of how much good time to be able to do it and now to think you know I could easily have 10 15 years that I'll be able to do this and see a lot more things and um, watch my grandkids. I've got three grandkids with one on the way to, you know, feel much more confident that, you know, if I don't get run over by a train and my wife shoots me, I should be able to make it, you know, to see them all grow. And, and that's encouraging. And you've given a very similar answer to many, many people, the motivation to keep on living and to keep on being healthy. Yes, to travel, to enjoy yourself, to see the world, but you mentioned your family and your children, and and being around for them as they get older. That's important to you. Yeah, and and I've watched that in my own family. My uh, mother-in-law, who was just this awesome lady that I just adored, who lived with us in in her later years, was going strong. I mean, in her 90s, she was out walking twice a day. You'd, You'd never dream she was in her 90s. But when her sister passed away, who was her best friend, she just went down. Like It's like she was done. And you see that in, in older people, that some life event will trigger, okay, I'm done. And so, you know, I, I feel like I've got a lot of things to, to live for to keep going. I think that's a great way to end this. It's been a really inspiring conversation. Congratulations on everything you've achieved, Mark. And thank you very much. Thank you. And that's it for this podcast. If you'd like to check us out online, the website is llamapodcasts.com. That's double L-A-M-A podcast.com. We're in social media, Facebook, Instagram and Twitter at Llama Podcast. And I'm at Peter Bowes. You can probably align if you'd like to comment on the things that we've been talking about. Many thanks for listening.
Flexbeam is a portable red light therapy device that's now being used by leading athletes, including the Norwegian tennis player Kasper Rud. Whenever you put the Flexbeam on, you feel it starts to work right away. I need something that can help repair all the fibers that I have broken in the surfs. The infrared lights penetrate your skin and makes the muscle tissue recover faster. Flexbeam, I keep it with me all the time. Recharge Health is offering Llama Podcast listeners an $80 discount on the purchase of a Flexbeam device. Go to the website recharge.health and use the code LLAMA at checkout. That's L-L-A-M-A. You'll also find the link in the show notes for this episode.